getting ready to open the, their uh, uh, pajamas. I couldn't think of, it's going to be long. If I can't think of the word pajamas, it might be a long message this morning. But you can see the excitement and the anticipation of it. And you know this feeling, and you can see it. You, whether it's in, in yourself or in other, other people and your children, you know the anticipation of getting ready to open and to know and to experience something new before you. And that's what we have in the scripture that Ethan read for us earlier in our worship this morning. And this is why I think it is, it is important for us as church and as God's people to recognize if other people are going to claim Christmas, that we ought to recognize the truth and reality of God's presence amongst us. Because God gives us the gift of his presence, the present of his presence before us. And we anticipate what that means for us. We're reminded of the truth and the reality that God with us is a life-altering, life-changing experience. Jesus is born in Luke chapter 2. And the first revelation or the first preaching, the first communication of Jesus' birth happens in Luke chapter 2, picking up in verse 8. Ethan read uh, this part of this scripture this morning, but I want to point something out here this morning. The shepherds were living out in the fields nearby. They were keeping watch over the flocks at night. They're going about their own business. They're living their daily life. They're doing what they do as shepherds. When suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Their lives were disrupted. Something new had come into their, to their daily work, their daily routine, and they were terrified of the newness that was before them. And the angel says to them, now here's the first preaching of Jesus' birth. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Notice what causes great joy. It is the birth of of a baby, not just any baby, but the Lord Messiah, Jesus Christ. He has been born, and that is the cause of celebration. The terror that they experience from the visitors and the message, these shepherds, is overshadowed. It is something not to be afraid of. It is something that causes great joy in our lives. And I wonder... I wonder if we lack joy. When you get the kiddos up, up here and you start talking about Christmas and gifts, put a movie on for a few moments, there is great joy in them. And I wonder if from time to time, if we lose or have misplaced the joy, the joy of a God who came to be with us, the news and the truth that Jesus, this this baby who came to be with us is life-changing. The one who went to the cross. The one who taught us. The one who rose from the dead. The God who came to save each and every human being throughout all time. This Savior, this Messiah, this Lord is worth celebrating, worth worshiping. And he is the source of great joy. Have we misplaced that? Because it's more than unwrapping a gift that we might set aside or a gift we might outgrow. It's worth more than something that is there 
today and gone tomorrow. It is the gift that keeps on giving. It is the presence and the reality and the relationship of Jesus Christ himself. And it has implications in our lives. We witnessed this last Sunday night, right? Here's Laney Williams being baptized last Sunday night. What a joyous evening to be together. And if you can't see it, yeah, you can see it, the joy on Laney's face right there, right? I should have, I, I didn't ask permission, Laney. I hope this was okay to show this picture. But this picture, I love this picture because it just reveals the joy of what it means that Jesus is real in our lives. That God is with us. It has implications more than we get to have a Christmas time together or gifts under a tree. The implications of new life. This is the moment after Laney has died to the ways of this world and has been raised in something new entirely through the Spirit of God in the waters of baptism. And there's joy on her face because she understood what it meant for God to be with her. And it causes great joy in our lives. It doesn't fleet. It won't go away. Will it be difficult at times in your life, Laney? Yes, it will be. But will that mean that God ever leaves you in those difficult circumstances? Never. The presence of Jesus amongst us, the birth of a Savior in the town of David is worth celebrating because it is the joy that will be with us forever. And the decisions that we make often find themselves misinterpreting what it means to be joyful. Have you ever tried to put a square peg in a round hole? It's not easy. It's impossible. Right? And I think this, comes, this, uh, this idea comes mainly from experience, but also from observation as a minister, that, that we try to take things that are square and shove them in the round hole of our spirituality. We can think of it this way. That there are things or positions or places that we want and desire, and we fall into the trap that if I could just have fill in the blank, something came to mind, I would be happy. Now, I have, I've preached on this before, but I think it's worth it. Um, it's worth going back to from time to time. There is a vast spiritual difference between happiness and joyfulness. Happiness is the square peg that we misinterpret to be something that will bring something deep within us that we need and desire, and we try to shove it into a round hole of our relationship, our spirituality, our walk with Jesus Christ. Happiness is something that is fleeting and circumstantial. And if you start hearing some similar language to last, last week's message on peace, I think that it's very fitting because happiness and joy share very similar, uh, similar characteristics to our discussion, our message on peace last week. Where peace isn't based on circumstances, but happiness is, right? 
Happiness is fleeting. It is temporary. It is based on something that we have achieved or grabbed or done or have, have gone after. But it will be set aside. The gifts under the tree are a byproduct of something else. They are something that will be um, downgraded and set aside. They will be worthless at some point. You will outgrow that shirt. I mean, the shirt will shrink at some point, right? But the gift of the walk in the presence of Jesus Christ is not the gift that brings us happiness. It is the gift that causes great joy. Happiness is the square peg that we use to justify so many of our actions. We cheat on other people because we aren't happy. People steal because without that thing, I wouldn't be happy. We work longer and harder and more hours every year, every week, every month so that our family can be happy. We can't just be happy without that thing or that place or that person. We use it to justify our actions and what we do or how we do certain things because we're trying to take the square peg of happiness and fit it into the round hole of joyfulness. And we justify it under that banner of happiness of what we're doing. We keep shoving and we keep pushing and we'll even try to get a chisel out to get it to fill in there because if we can just have this, if we can just do this, if we can just achieve this, we will be happy. Or we will say joyfulness, but we mean happiness. Whereas joyfulness is not circumstantial, it is not situational, it is not based on anything you can do or achieve. It is based purely on the presence of a God who is with you. And, without, and throughout Scripture, joy is repeatedly shown to be the natural outcome of connection, of relationship, of fellowship with God alone. He is the source. He is the plug. He is the reason he is the outcome, or joy is the outcome of being with him. And so we can think of it this way. Joy is fellowship with God, and happiness is conditional. Joy is fellowship with God. Happiness is conditional. So yesterday, uh, Santa brought my son a basketball backboard, a goal for the driveway. And Santa left the work for me to put it up. And so I spent most of Christmas getting the basketball goal put up. And there were some hiccups along the way. And then if you know me enough, I, when I tell these kinds of stories, you should expect there to be hiccups because I don't know what I'm doing. Um, it came, uh, it had all these different uh, bolts and nuts and things Right? All these different things. I'm trying to follow, and, I'm, and I feel pretty good about it until the very end when you got to put the actual backboard up on the pole. When um, there are not enough nuts and the bolts are too big, and that's all I got. So then I have to start problem solving. How do I get this? Because there's no more of a pressure than getting a Christmas gift done on Christmas Day because Lowe's ain't open, all right? 
There's nothing left to do except get this up. And so I'm spending my after my Christmas afternoon problem solving. How do I get this to there with this, right? You've had these kinds of situations. You kind of try to problem solve this, diver this thing up. And so I do. I, I, after, after a long while, I'm trying different things, and we figure this out. I got this, and, we, and so Laura helps me to get it up there, and I'm trying this, and it works. I got these certain bolts and these, uh, the screws and everything else, and I get it up there to hold it up, and I was very happy. And my son was very happy. Now, that's a gift right? It's a present, but here's the thing that caused great joy. All the work, all the effort, the gift of the basketball backboard. Later in the day, my, my eight-year-old son comes up to me, and he goes, uh, and this is what, this, this made everything worth it. He comes up to me and goes, hey, dad, you want to shoot some hoops? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, do. I didn't know I wanted to shoot hoops, but yeah, I do, right? I, the, the joy of being with my son that was the gift that was the present and God holds us close to his heart he holds us in fellowship he holds us in communion not so that you can shoot hoops but that he can do it with you he can spend time with you God didn't come to this earth to fix it he came to be with you in all of its mess. He came to be with you. The presence of Jesus is the gift of his son being in fellowship and communion and relationship with you. It is the great joy of being with him that is the gift that we seek that, cause, that is caused in Jesus' birth with us. And joy is found right here at the heart of God. And I've often started thinking, uh, especially kind of preparing for this and uh, thinking, I, I've talked about this too, and I'm not going to go into great detail of it, but uh, I often feel like I lack joy. And I get caught up into this idea of square peg and round hole. If I could just do this, have this, if I could just take care of this thing or that thing or whatever it is, then I would feel, you know, a relief and I'd feel, you know, happy or joyful. And I get caught up into this idea when there's nothing, there's nothing I have to do. There's not an action. There is not, there is not a work. There is not a problem to be solved that will cause great joy in my life other than drawing close to the heart of God. God in my life and finding closeness in my relationship with Jesus Christ, seeking to be in his presence is what causes great joy. Whereas the circumstances may change, right? The gifts will change, right? The, 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 the problems around me will change. The solutions around me will change. The anxieties and the worries, all them source, the sources of those anxieties and worries, they will change. But what is constant in the circumstances that are changing is the joy that can be found when we are close in relationship, when we draw ourselves 
to Jesus Christ himself. Here's what I want to do for the last few moments. I, don't want, I want to turn over to Luke chapter 15. I want Luke 15 to be the last word and the closing example of what it means to find joy at the heart of God. Because in Luke 15, what we find is Jesus tells three parables back to back to back. The parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. And the point of the parables is not that things are lost and they need to be found. The point of the three parables back to back to back is joy. It's joy. Now, they have in common that three things will be lost, but what the parables are up against is the absence of joy in these stories. Now, in the context, um, Jesus is responding to the tax collectors and the, uh, and the, the Pharisees who are listening. Um, he's responding to the Pharisees as Jesus spends time with the tax collectors and sinners. And he notices, I believe, in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 and 2, he notices the absence of joy. Go ahead and go to that next slide, because I didn't put it in my notes for some reason. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And then out of this, Jesus tells the three parables. Lost sheep, lost coin, lost son. And I believe he tells the three parables to this crowd at this time in response to the absence of joy that he finds in the Pharisees. The Pharisees are questioning why Jesus would hang out with the lowly, the sinner, the, the, the mean ones, right? The societal outcast of their day. Why would he defile himself and be in the presence of these kind of people? And that kind of thought is absent of joy. Because it's absent of God. If joy is found in the heart of God, then God's people are going to find joy in being in the presence of all kinds of people, of all walks of life, of all kinds of backgrounds, of all kinds of, of, of luggage, right? Because God is with every per person because joy is not found in the circumstances, it is found in the presence of God. And so he tells the stories. He tells the parable of the lost sheep. Where the shepherd loses one and he leaves the 99 to go find the one in verse 5 and 6. You know what Jesus says? And when he finds that one, he joyfully puts the sheep on his shoulders. He goes home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, and he tells them, let's rejoice. In the parable of the lost coin, there's a woman who lost one of her ten coins she looks and she looks, and when she finds it, verse 10 of Luke chapter 15, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God, Jesus says, over the one sinner who repents. So here's what I want to do, is I want to spend the last few moments in the third parable, the lost son. Because what we find is a story that I think is very easy for us to relate with. And I want us to pay attention to where joy is found and where joy is absent. Luke chapter 15, picking up in verse 11, Jesus continued his third parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Now, 
If you read in between the lines here for a moment, the younger son is saying to the father, I wish you were dead. I'm not happy. Give me what's mine. I'm out. Not long after that, verse 13, the younger son got together all he had. He got all that he wanted from his dad, which was worldly possession, wealth. And he set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth and wild living. That's the setup of Jesus' third story. Is a younger son who doesn't find joy in his, present, in his current circumstances, and he believes that if he can leave the situation and go elsewhere with what he, what he believes belongs to him, he will find happiness in another place, doing other things, not being in his father's house. And so the story continues. Let me pick up in verse 14. After he'd spent everything, the younger son who went off all of his inheritance and spent every last dime, there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be in need. He didn't have anything else to spend on, verse 15. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, okay. The son who wants to leave the presence of his father and go out and find what he believes will be, bring him happiness now finds himself in a situation that he never imagined, which often happens, right? You never can predict the future or what may happen. Now he finds himself feeding pigs so hungry that he wants to eat what the pigs are eating. His journey from the presence of his father to lead him into happiness is an ongoing downward spiral of destruction. And happiness is this, chase. Happiness will lead us to one turn after another that will eventually, without question, lead us to the pig trough. If the gifts you seek are the gifts of this world, which Jesus says are here today and tomorrow thrown into the fire, eaten by the moth and the vermin, where thieves break in and steal. If the gifts of this world are what are, is what is going to make you happy, you will end up with the pigs. So the young man decides he can't do this. It would be better for him to go home, plead mercy, and ask to be a servant in his father's house. And so he decides to leave and go home, and he practices the speech on his way home. He's got time, and he practices, and he practices, and he's got the speech down. And now he's finally going home. Let me pick up in verse 20 of Luke chapter 15. He's got the speech down. He's ready to confront his father and ask for forgiveness and to be a servant, not a son, to be a servant in the father's house. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His father was filled with compassion. The father ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. He begins the speech, right? I've, I've sinned against, uh, against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father cuts him off, verse 22. And the father says to the servants, Quick! 
quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and his sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and let's kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and he is alive again. And he was lost and he is found. And so they began to celebrate, began to celebrate. And where is joy found? It is found in the heart of the Father. Chasing after happiness is the square peg that we try to shove into the round hole. And joy will never be found in the world around us and the gifts under a tree. It will never be found in the car, or the money, or the promotion. The, the, the happiness of this world will lead us to the trough of the pigs. But joy, everlasting joy, that will inform the circumstances, inform our words and our decisions and our relationships in this world, will be found in the arms of the Father. Joy is found there and nowhere else. Joy is in the heart of God. And I love the ending of, Luke, of the third parable. The older brother, the faithful brother, the brother who didn't say, Dad, I wish you were dead, give me your money. The, father, the, the son who stayed and worked for the dad stayed in the presence of his God, uh, of his father, is upset that his dad would throw a party, kill the fattened calf, have a celebration in the return of his father. And so dad goes out to talk to the older son, and he says, picking up in verse 31, my son you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate. We had to be glad. Because the brother of yours, he was dead. And now he is alive. He was lost. And now he is found. Just because you're here doesn't mean joy will follow you. The decision that we have to make as individuals and as community is where is the source of our joy? If a community is seeking larger numbers and if a building's the, the long-term big goal, if that's it for us, those things will fleet, and those things will go away, and those things will fall. But if community, as individuals, seek something grander, something bigger, something that is life-changing, the truth of Jesus' presence in our lives and at the center of this congregation, that we will find the joy of being close to the heart of God. Everything else is conditional. The joy that we seek, the presence of God with us is the cause of the joy. And that's why Paul can write in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. You know why Paul can say that? It's because circumstances do not make joy. Joy makes the circumstances. Joy is fellowship with God, and that fellowship with God lives itself out. From within the heart of God, we live, and we are now source. We are plugged into. This is where we live, and we can go out and live joy in all the situations and all the circumstances around us. All the gifts we have, 
provide opportunity for us to be joyful people in the world around us. And if there's anything that this neighborhood, that this community should know the Heritage Church of Christ for, it should be the joy of the Lord because we find ourselves in fellowship with Him and we are close to Him in His hearts. Um, I'm going to offer an invitation. i got one more slide. I know that. I'm going to offer an invitation. I'll make myself available um, down front this morning during the singing of this next song. Uh, one of our shepherds, Mark Doberins, will make himself available in the back here this morning. you find either one of us if you'd like to respond uh, publicly uh, to this morning's message and, and ask your church for prayers or comfort or whatever it may be. We're here for you. Please come find us during the singing of this next song. Um, one of the coolest things that we got as a family was not a gift. It was the wrapping of a gift. So go to this next slide. These are my parents. My mom came up with this great idea. And they, they wrapped all their gifts uh, to us and their grandkids and everything with, with their faces. And I... I you should have seen me. I was the one charged yesterday with opening uh, this wrapping paper, and we were trying not to tear it, and I did a really good job, okay? Because this is like, this is, I thought this was pretty cool and neat. And I think, um, I, I thought, oh, this fits really well, because one of the great gifts of God with us, we talk about love and peace and joy, and all that's true. But you know where it comes out of? It's the gift of God with us. The presence of God amongst us. The God who came to live like us, but the God who came to live with us. The God who teaches all these things. He demonstrates them. He shows us the way. He gives us the gift of himself. He wraps all of these things, these truths in himself. And joy is the outcome of being wrapped in the love and the peace of Jesus Christ himself. We celebrate that and we live out every day. And if you need to respond, if you're lacking that like I do from time to time, if you're lacking the outcome of the joy of being in the presence of God, let this church rally around you, be with you this morning. Let's stand together and let's sing out with great joy the gift of Jesus Christ. Brandon. Brandon.